Welcome into the JPN Hack Show, part of the Field of 12 Media Network. This is Season 1, Episode 7, presented by our partners at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm Joshua Perry. This is my guy, Christian Hackenberg. We are back with the best analysis you could ever receive regarding Big Ten football. Hack, how you doing, my guy? I'm doing good, brother. I'm doing good. Good weekend again. Your yeah. boys showed up. Yeah, they did. Showed up. showed up and showed out. Your boys got a yeah. big one coming up this weekend, so. Yeah, I know it. We got some big time ball, uh, but we'll hit the recap like we usually do. Um, second segment, we, we've we got some fun questions about the Big Ten, some big thoughts, and then finally we'll hit you with some game previews. But uh, just looking at this week five recap, Iowa on Friday night came out there and they absolutely trounced Maryland 51 to 14. Uh, Minnesota beat Purdue 20 to 13. Illinois beat Charlotte, which is actually a decent Charlotte team, 24 to 14. Michigan. It was scary for a little bit too. It was so it was scary um, for a little bit. For, for a little bit. We're, we're watching that game, and uh, Charlotte is a team that beat Duke, and Duke is a team that beat Northwestern, yeah. right? And yeah. so you, you, there was this feeling like, okay, these guys might be able to compete a little bit. They've got some athletes, and you're absolutely right. Like there were some moments where it didn't quite feel right. Um, Illinois obviously able to pull off the win, but I feel like that was actually a decent team that they played. Um, Michigan rolled Wisconsin. That was a 38 to 17 er right there. Um, Ohio state showing the firepower 52 to 13 over Rutgers. Penn state 24, Indiana zero. That was a, uh, a big blanking there by Penn state, uh, just building up confidence as they go, to play Iowa this week, um, Michigan State 48, Western Kentucky 31, Nebraska 56, Northwestern 7. And I will say this on that game because that's not a big recapper. Um, as bad as I think Northwestern is this year, that was huge for Nebraska because they have not won a football game like that since they've come in the Big Ten. Um, yeah. And we've talked about how this is a team right now that started off poorly and gave us every reason to question what was going on there, gave us every reason to question what type of internal issues they were having. And they have flipped the script on this thing and they're playing really good ball right now. Yeah, I think that's one thing that we talked about, too, is now, you know, that Oklahoma game was one of those staple program hang your hat on type wins that they could have had. Mm -hmm. They played them tough, didn't really work out. And I thought it could have really gone to one of two ways there. They could have tucked, tucked their tail and ran, put their head down, packed up their bags and kept it moving, or they could have done this. And I think they really set themselves up nicely for this weekend, which is going to be a great preview. And then also, you know, being able to, being able to navigate the rest of their, the rest of their schedule. And honestly, they're kind of in it. The West yeah. is kind of wide open. It is, you know, like that, that's so, a great point. So, you know, that's interesting. It's a great interesting point. to watch. Because you look at Iowa, obviously they're in control, but the rest of the West right now I think is a crapshoot. Like any team can go out there any week and can beat any other team probably besides Iowa. Um, and it's weird to say this, but there's almost a feeling like Nebraska's best two wins right now are close losses to Oklahoma and Michigan State because yeah. it showed that they can compete um, it showed how explosive they can be on offense at times. The real thing that I think is they've shown that they can be a very good defensive football team as well. 
Um, and they've done a great job. That's been the one thing through Scott Frost's tenure that I think has really grown game by game and week by week is how they've played on defense. Um, yeah. Not to spend too much time on that because it wasn't a very good game, but I, I, I think – I think that this team can be dangerous and we'll get into that preview um, in the game that they're going to have this weekend against Michigan, but we want to go through some of the, um, the AP notes. We got Iowa jumping up to number three, following their dominant performance over Maryland, Penn state Mm -hmm. remains at number four after blanking Indiana, Ohio state making their way back into the top 10 after complete showing over Rutgers. Uh, They're at number seven, Michigan makes their way into the top 10 as well landing a couple of spots behind OSU at number nine. They're up from 14. Michigan State rounds up Big Ten teams in the AP Top 25, coming in at number 11, a big jump up from their previous ranking of 17. Um, Before we get into some of these recaps, this is the best division in college football right now. When you look at the Big Ten East specifically, with Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State playing the way that they're playing right now. Um, and we've even seen flashes like Rutgers kept it close with Michigan. I mean, even though they got blown out by Ohio State, I feel like they're still a, a pretty good team. Um, this this thing, it sorts itself out because all these teams still have to play each other. But when you talk about not just really good athletes, but solid football teams, like fundamental good football teams. This is it right here. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is I think you talk about those, those teams that are in the basement of the big 10 East and like they're good football teams. Maryland's a really good football team. They didn't show it the other night, but they have a lot of explosive talent and they put it together for the previous four weeks up into this Iowa game that showed that they have the ability to consistently score and be a, really be, I mean, if you put them in the ACC, where are they right now? Right. You know what I mean, go back to where they are. Like you put that team yeah. in the ACC, that's a good football team. They might be, you know, especially with the way Clemson's been playing. So, yeah. um, I, and we've always talked about this too. Rutgers is a growing program. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a few years mm-hmm. coming from where they came from though. And being able to play the way that they've played up into this point, that's a big hat off to coach Shiano in terms of coming back and doing what he did to establish in the first place. But yeah, I mean, I think you said it. A lot of good football coaches, a lot of good guys who are culture guys who um, expect a lot out of the program. And to your point, they got good players, but they also put a really good product out there. It's exciting for the future, I think, for the Big Ten specifically, you know, not just this year, but years to come. Yeah, and this is what I think we – I mean, me and you obviously as Big Ten alums, but like we as sports fans, this is what we want. Right. We, yeah. we want games of consequence in the Big Ten Conference. We want the traditional powers of specifically Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan and Michigan State even to be great. We want these yeah. teams to be in the top 10 or knocking on the door every yeah. single year. And, and, and realistically, like the thing is, is, I want this to push the West too, 100%. because I feel like the West has just been there and even going back to when we were in school, it was right when they did the split, when they made the East so he- so top heavy with the teams that you just mentioned, the West just kind of coasted. And it was always yeah. like a Northwestern would sneak in there because they just beat the heck out of each other for yeah. a little bit. And, you know, because there are programs like that, Nebraska, Wisconsin, right? you know, 
even Purdue back in the day, you know, sure. Purdue was always a good, a good program. So sure. I'm just really looking to see, and hopefully the West can somehow figure out a way to bring their level up too, and just make it a really competitive conference. Cause to your point, it would just be really good for college football to have somebody outside of the sec be really competitive top to bottom yeah. week in, week out. So, and, and I'll get off of this topic on this comment here, but I don't think the West can become the East. I think the Big Ten needs to just shuffle the divisions. Yeah. And the reason I say that is simply because the East has better proximity to talent. When you look right. at Rutgers and their proximity to New Jersey and yeah. some of the talent there, obviously Pennsylvania and the DMV, um, and that leads into Penn State and Maryland. And that's why those teams made that's sense as additions to the Big Ten, even from not being traditional longstanding members. You know, and then you look at the Midwest and Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, um, you know, just the proximity there to guys out of Detroit and, and guys in the state of Ohio and you know, I, I think that is the biggest deterrent for the West becoming great is the fact that, yeah. you know, the, the cats that they're getting out of their home states are generally developmental guys that are just bought into the fact that they get to play for their home state. And there's also there's also they have to. Ha yeah. To your point, they have to have a great pipeline from out of state. It's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like Tennessee back in the day with Fulmer. Right. Like they had to go down, they had to go down to Florida. They they didn't have a ton of talent coming out of their home state. So that's that's a great point. That's that's something. That's a that's a vet that's a vet analysis right there. That guy's yeah. on TV or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just throwing out the perspectives here. Um, all right, let's let's get. Yeah, you're a funny guy. Let's get into some of these recaps here. Um, we'll start off with the Friday night game, Iowa 51, Maryland 14, and I think we got to be honest with ourselves yeah. here. Because we thought this was a game that was going to be interesting and competitive. We thought yeah. Maryland was built offensively to challenge a good defense. And we thought that Maryland was built defensively to, to out-athlete maybe what was going on for Iowa on offense. Mm -hmm. And we were wrong as hell. Yeah. <laughs> like, just yeah, call I got it what it is. Twitter and I ate it. I was like, dude, you're you're 100 right. Like, dude, it, it, like, and that's a part of this industry too. Is we were like we made that analysis based off of what we saw. So mm. I don't think we were wrong in our line of thinking. But the shit just doesn't happen the the way that we expect it to. Sometimes I tell right. people all the time, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like I will admit it 100. Nobody's mm -hmm. perfect in this business. Um, yeah, we were wrong on this one. Yeah. And I, I think the thing that neither one of us predicted that nobody nationally predicted was that Iowa has been turning everybody over, right? But I don't think that we thought that Iowa could turn over this Maryland team the way that they did because Maryland was protecting the football coming into this game. Yes. And that, that is the difference 100% in games is you finish with seven takeaways, right? Um, Nobody's won the football game when they turn the ball over that many times. I don't give a damn yeah. who it is. And yeah. that was the difference. Talia was not very good. And we'll talk about his performance. Petrus yeah. was very good on the other side. 259 for 70% um, completion. Like, he's great. Tyler Goodson, the running back from Iowa, showed versatility. He had 66 on the ground. He had 85 through the air. Yep. I mean, it was a thorough 
top to bottom performance that looked like a top three team. And you made this comment. I agreed with it. We were in the same line of thinking. Mm-hmm. This Iowa team right now is a legit contender because of the fact that they put that 51 up on the scoreboard. Yeah. We yeah, said for them to yeah. be a team that was going to make a, a, a run that they would have to do that. Yeah. I think that that's a, that's a, you know, that's, that's something they had to show because as we, as we've said over and over again, is they've just won games kind of, they've won them ugly, but like that, not ugly because their offense hasn't looked, but they just haven't been a consistent team that moved the ball up and down the field and commanded, commanded that side of the, that side of the ball. It just seemed more like they relied on the defense to give them short field opportunities mm-hmm. and they'll capitalize here and there. And honestly, this game kind of started that way after that first interception, they just got a field goal out of that. It was right. a short field and they just got a field goal out of it. Now points are points, but at the end of the day, when you're talking about a team that's going to be contender play, play in the college football playoff, like you, when you get those opportunities, you need to, you need to take advantage of them because when you go and start playing it, the teams are like, Georgia and Alabama, who defensively, I think, are just leaps and bounds above everybody else in college football right now. Yep. Those opportunities don't come that often. And when you get them, you got to capitalize. Otherwise, it's going to turn ugly. So that's always my kind of bar in my analysis when I look at this stuff. Yeah. And it's, you know, they obviously scored a lot of points um, off of the takeaways. But Mm -hmm. they also had a couple of long sustained drives in there. They had a drive that was 82 yards. They had one that was 65. They had another one that was 60. Um, And so I think part of the combination of what we've seen is complementary football where the defense puts the offense in striking distance. But there was some creativity from Iowa in this game, specifically early on. Um, They came out throwing the football. They, they wanted to set the tone throwing the football in this game. And I think eventually it led to a really balanced performance. Um, you know, they had, let me get these stats together, um, 38 passing attempts. They had 42 rushing attempts. Like that's, that's what every coach talks about just in terms yeah. of that, that play calling balance. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, and I think really moving forward for Iowa, I still haven't seen them be challenged and I'm going to keep harping on this because what they do defensively is not out of the ordinary. They don't do anything exotic. They don't, they just play really sound and it's almost like they bore the offense. They just sit there and they, (laughs) they do their job and the offense gets bored and they take advantage of the offense's boredom by Talia forcing something he shouldn't be forcing. Yeah. They just want you to play sound and they're going to give up some things. They're going to give up some mismatches because of what they play and some opportunities, but the teams that just can't take it and can't just move it, move it down the field methodically. Those are the teams that are going to struggle against a a team like Iowa defensively and then flipping the script offensively. I've just, I think they've shown the ability within their system to be explosive now. But like I said, I don't, they haven't had to be down two scores and start start a track meet with somebody and that's I still do not think that offensively I think their offense is awesome if they're in a good game where they can stay in their base sets be running the football be working off play action mix in some screen game like they have and like Iowa has always done Mm -hmm. I think they can play with anybody but the minute they get down which we have not seen yet by two or more scores it just hasn't happened I want to see them 
be able to spread it out, make plays off, off, you know, timing, passing, passing concepts. I just don't know if they got that. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, just talking about what they're built to do, you know, because yeah. I, I don't think that's how they're built. And I, I don't anticipate that um, they're going to get down two scores early in or, right. or at any point in the game, just because how their defense plays. Um, but because I don't anticipate it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. There's always right. the opportunity for something like that. Uh, and they're not going to be, that's going to be a really compromising position. I also agree with you on the fact that they haven't necessarily been tested this year, but one thing that I feel like they have done is they they've won football games largely the way that they've supposed yeah. to like exactly. that. That's the measure of good teams for me is when, you're playing lesser competition. Do you go out there and, and win the game in a fashion that's acceptable? Or you play down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we get off of this one, we, we have to talk about Talia Tungavailoa because yeah. this was a guy coming into the football game that I think was like 10 touchdowns to one interception. And then he comes out in this one and he throws it to the other team five times. And you made mention of Iowa's defense being – a very um, a steady eddy type of defense where yeah. they, they don't show any complicated looks. They're not blitzing guys from every single direction. They play coverage. A lot of times they play a four-man <clears throat> rush and they, they just wait for quarterbacks to get impatient. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's, that is really, it's interesting that you say that because that is who Talia is at times. And that's what I think we saw out of him a lot of times Um before this year is he feels like he's the guy who needs to make the play. Yeah. Um, from the quarterback's eyes, what did you see out of his game that led to so many errors? Yeah. I think that's, that's, I think the moment, the stage, the opportunity that they had, I don't think Maryland's had that opportunity yet this year. So when you sit there and you have a guy who's playing so well, he's got a ton of confidence starts playing this team they're in it early and then all of a sudden things start going sideways and I felt like he just started forcing things he did he played out of character up into this point from this year and when you do that against a team like Iowa who's coached well they understand their assignments they don't do anything complicated so they play fast they take advantage of boredom and that's that's really what it is they take advantage of a quarterback who puts pressure on himself to make the play not the right play. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately what happened to Talia. And once that scoreboard started stacking up the other way, it just added more pressure. And that's, that's the hard part. And that's the toughest position to be in, in my, in my opinion, as a quarterback is when you feel that you have to make the play every time because nothing else is working against a team like that, it's going to, it's going to hurt you more than help you. Not even you, but your football team. So I really just think that that's all it was. And I think he's got a great chance this week to come back and, and show that that was a fluke. Cause I do think he's still, he could still put a special season together for himself and that team. And um, I just hope he, I just hope he reigns it back in here and, and keeps things, keep things moving for the rest of the schedule. Yeah. I, I think the game for him is mental um, where he has to understand that, um, and Maryland's offense is full of athletes, but he has to understand that it's not on him to make every single play. And as I break this down and you're obviously the expert as a quarterback, but just watching how defenses play, 
I feel like three of those interceptions were more bad quarterbacking than great defense. Um, He had the one where there was pressure in his face. And a lot of people say you you force the quarterback into a bad throw. I don't know if you can force a quarterback to make a bad throw because they don't have to make the throw. You know, you can eat it. And then there was the one where the freaking the DB was running the route. He stared it down the whole time. He's patting the ball, like patted it three times before he threw it. He knew he shouldn't have thrown that one. And yeah. then there was that end of half play, which, you know, just throw up the ball and it's it's low risk, high reward. If a guy comes up with a play and you score a touchdown going into halftime, it's fine. If they pick it off, it doesn't matter. Um, the two great ones on defense, though, is just guy popping into his own quarterback. Can't see him, tips the ball up. Those are plays you got to get. And then another one yep. um, where they, they had a nice little like a, a zone beater concept. And the safety is able to fall off because the linebacker is rolling, um, you know, playing from high to low and he's rolling with one of the routes. Like it's, that is how the system's supposed to work. You free your guy up in the middle of the field. That's great defense. They had a yeah. couple of those plays, but um, they're, they're going to capitalize on the ones where you also throw them the freaking ball. I know. And that's, that's, you know, that's the hard part. And that's where, like I said, the ones that are that are self-inflicting are the ones that hurt the most. And I think he had a couple of those self-inflicting ones early, like you were saying. And I think it was just the stage. I really do. I think it was just the fact it was Friday night. You had a chance to come in and beat a top five team. Yeah. Um, you guys are hot. You got, like you said, you got the athletes, you got the team to do it. And I think it just the moment got too big for him. And I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just think it just, it just ate him up and his psyche. And, you know, like I said, you got to move on. Sometimes yeah. those things happen. That's happened on, to all so. of us. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you about our sponsors over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up yet, Bet Rivers is offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart from everyone else is that they require just one playthrough to turn that bonus into cash money. With their new rush pay instant approval, withdrawals are not only fast, they are safe, secure, and reliable. Go to betrivers.com today or download the BetRivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get on to this next one. Michigan at Wisconsin. That was 38-17. to 17. Um, I'm going to say two things because mm-hmm. I think Michigan is a very good football team. They have earned their way into the top 10. And so now as a top 10 team, I think you you get talked about differently and you get criticized differently. Um, they're building a monster. And I think that it's predicated off of the fact that they can play very good defense and they have a great game manager type quarterback who does not turn the football over, who generally makes the right reads and they keep the offense on schedule. Um, the flip side of that, if we're being totally honest, is Wisconsin's just not a good football team. Yeah. So this is a big win because Michigan is a top 10 team. It's a big win because Michigan went into Camp Randall and won a game there for the first time since 2001. Um, Mm -hmm. This is not a marquee win, though, because Wisconsin is bad at football right now. Yeah, and that's the that's the funny thing is as you sit there and you talk about how this this Penn State team is so battle tested, you know that that wins looking less and less appetizing. Um, 
Right. <laughs> as the weeks go on. Yeah. <laughs> that I got to throw that in there. Yeah. Um, but I, I completely agree with your thought process on Michigan. You know, Harbaugh – and that, that's, that's been Harbaugh's MO kind of everywhere he's been. Yes. You know, he, he yes. gets a guy in there who – when he just so happens to get the Andrew Luck – yeah, it's it's national championship type yes. run, 100%. and I think, I think with the way this team's built defensively, the guys they have in the backfield, the way they play up front, I think McNamara can do it. I think as long as he just stays in his stays in his lane, doesn't yes. play outside of himself, doesn't do what Talia did on Friday right. night, and just operates, um, which I think. I know the kid a little bit. I spent some time with him way back um, mm-hmm. when I was training with Jordan Palmer. And I think he's wired that way. He's a hardworking kid. He just gets it from that standpoint. So I think he can, I think he can do that for them. And it's going to be really interesting for Michigan moving forward. I think your, your points here too are great. There wasn't a ton of long sustained drives from Michigan and like we always talk about all those things work themselves out teams go and teams go into rhythm, get out of rhythm. It's college football. That's the beauty of it. You're not going to see well machines usually. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to say that, but usually. So um, I am really excited to see where Michigan goes. And I think your analysis with Wisconsin spot on is just, it's hard to watch. It's yeah. really hard to watch right now. It is. Um, and it it's is. not, um, it's very uncharacteristic for that team. Yeah. And that program. So it's just, it's tough. Yeah. And, and so um, my, my final comment on Michigan before I get onto this Wisconsin thing is mm-hmm. um, I think everything you said about how they operate in games is spot on. I think it's a great way to win football games. And this is another team, in my opinion, who has won football games the way that they should win football games this year. And I say that believing that Rutgers is a better football team than they've ever been. And that game was probably too close for comfort if you're a Michigan fan, but I don't think that this is the, the same old Rutgers to where that is an issue that you only beat them by seven. I think this is a Rutgers team at that specific point, especially that was upset-minded and, and dangerous and ready to, to give some issues there. And I know that we're going we're gonna to talk about that game next, but I'm just going to throw this point in there because it's great. Um, I feel like Ohio State got up on Rutgers early, yeah. and that, that, was, that was one of those things. And I, I said this to somebody yesterday. I said, Ohio State's a program that always feeds on that. If Ohio State gets up on you traditionally and the momentum starts rolling, it's over. They yeah. have that killer finisher mentality no matter who you are. I mean, yeah. I, I like that literally could have been anybody in the country. And I think that same result would have happened. So just, just a side note there. I think had Rutgers kept that close, it yeah. would have been a dog fight. It would have been the same. It would have been very similar to the Michigan game. If they had kept it close early. Do not disagree so. with you at all there. Um, so I want to, I wanted to get a couple of these, these stats out on Wisconsin. Yeah. Cause to me, some of this is really, it's just mind boggling. So We've obviously seen that Mertz is struggling, but I I saw some analytics out there that said he's only averaging four air yards per attempt. Um, That it's, that's pitiful. And and this is, this is why it's bad is I watched that game back and I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with their offense. 
And I am a Graham Mertz apologist. I don't think that he's as bad as he looks. Um, when I watch that offense, I see the play selection as an issue. And we've talked about different philosophies, right? And this is a team that wants to run the ball and then play action you and get the windows so they could take the shots that way. They're not running the football very well. They had um, 43 yards total rushing in the game. So play action's out the freaking window. You can't do it. Mm -hmm. So their, their offensive line's not getting the push up front. So they can't run. So the play action's dead. And then when they're doing the play action, they've got basically two and three man routes and they're not sucking anybody into the line of scrimmage. So they can't get the windows they want. So they're basically, they're, they're trying to find a play window. actioning to check it down. Yeah. And, and, and there's seven guys in coverage because nobody's fooled. Right. And then they go into their spread concepts and there's two issues there is their guys can't separate down the field. And so I think part of the, the play calling philosophy there is quick game. Right. Mm -hmm. But the other part of that is when they try to get their guys downfield, they're not separating. So nobody's open and there's pressure in Graham Mertz's face every single time. So it's just top to bottom. They've got a ton of issues. Um, yeah. I will say this, and, and then I'll let you go on it. The second half drives for Wisconsin, and these were a lot of got to have it situations, punt, mm -hmm. punt, fumble, interception, punt, punt, and then a garbage touchdown at the end. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen it this bad in a little while. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think you make some great points there. And if, if you're going to live and die by the play action, which this Wisconsin team, I mean, really up in this point, though, this Wisconsin team has been able to run the football. So I don't know if it's that Michigan was that good or Wisconsin was just that bad or what it was. I'd have to go back and watch that a little more in depth. I think it's, I think it's both. I really yeah, do. And I, I feel like with the guys they have up front, they can get creative. It's, it's just different presentations. It's different things of that nature that they can do to create some form of separation. Kind of what we talked about, I think, last week on the Michigan side of the ball. Um, Wisconsin can kind of take that same process moving forward because if you're going to be a ground and pound team and your quarterback's only averaging four yards per in the air per throw, that's an issue. I mean, it should be closer to 10. Right. It, it, with with that type of system, right. if you're going to be going big play action, it needs to be closer to 10 to 12. Yep. Um, and then to reel it back in, right, I think it just goes back to the trying to stuff a square peg into a round hole. Like that's that's one thing that I've seen teams and coaches kind of fall into, and I don't know if they do it just ignorantly, not not thinking, you know. They think they have the pieces, but they don't. Is like if you're going to go back to this spread thing now, now there also has to be a threat of a run game too. Like I think yes. you can you can spread them out. You can get into the RPO type game, like you talked, like you, you and I talked about a few weeks ago. Those aren't really hard concepts to teach because it is it's zone, and realistically, right. you're not blocking somebody. Right. So they're not hard concepts to teach, and I feel that with as much time as you have in college football, you can kind of have a, a plan B. You can have a backup identity. If, all right, hey, we're trying to do this. It's not working. Well, we should be able to come out and execute because it's just – it's our same run game. It's our zone scheme, but just from a different thing. And now, rather than having two tight ends and going, like, lead lead zone to the left, now we just spread it out and we have 
we have slants or some quick outs or whatever you're going to throw skinnies behind them yeah. off of it. So I feel like there's got to be a way for them to morph if that's going to be the case. I think there are still going to be teams on their schedule where they can go down, ground and pound it and then create some separation off play action. But yeah, I think just I, from an identity standpoint, the numbers don't match up and I think they just don't have an identity on offense right now, which you, which is, which has been something that I don't think Wisconsin's had to worry about for quite some time. Nope. Nope. They, they usually, they are who they are. And we all know yeah. exactly what that is. Um, yeah. I, I'll be curious to see what they start to look like throughout the year. Um, yeah. So this next one is OSU at Rutgers. It was 52 to 13. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this. I just I wanted to bring up a couple of points is CJ Stroud. You can tell that that week off was really impactful for him. He looked like a different quarterback. And what I mean by that is I think that Ryan Day's play selection was broader. Um, You saw some RPO concepts. He pulled the ball and ran it. He navigated the pocket like a dude that was healthy um, and confident which was big and and obviously went for 330 and and five touchdowns in that game. Um, OSU's defense looked as fast and as aggressive and decisive as I've seen it, which Mm -hmm. is huge. Um, So those are my two big takeaways for OSU. For Rutgers, I still think it's a pretty good team. And you mentioned it. I think this was more about what Ohio State did and less about what Rutgers did. Um, Yeah. Ohio State just – they went out and they were going to control that game. I don't think that makes Rutgers a bad football team. Yeah, I think Ohio State played to the level that we expected them to play yeah. from the beginning of the season. And I think, like I said, I think Rutgers just got down early. And when you get down early against Ohio State, history repeats itself. It happened to me my freshman year at the shoe. <laughs> it just rolled. Right. So, um, and that's that's just part of it. And, uh, you know, uh, Rutgers, Rutgers can't get their head down. I don't think they will. I think they understand where that team is in its development and that program right. is in its development internally, right. which is what matters. I think they're still going to come out and play hard as hell every week, which is going to be a problem for somebody. I'm, 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 I don't know who it's going to be this year, but it's going to be a problem for somebody. Um, and, uh, you know, I think Ohio State, you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, Stroud – Stroud's obviously an extremely talented guy. He's a guy that I've that we've talked about a lot on 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 this podcast and then on our national on our on our after dark show podcast with George, Bryce, and and uh, Trevor. He just you know um, talented guy. I think I think Day's still trying to feel him out up until this point. And I think what you said was that week off was huge. He he took what he did well, kind of put him in some other unique situations, and I think when you're dealing with a first year starter and a young guy like that, the growth is not just on his side. It's also on the coach's side. And I think, I think you made a great point. I think Ryan day starting to see that. I think he's putting him in situations where he feels comfortable and then CJ's, you know, also playing well on the other hand. So that's going to be big for Ohio state moving down, moving down this stretch. And I think defensively, you made a great point. As, as long as Ohio State plays fast and confident on defense, yep. I think they have enough they have enough on offense to get it done. Yeah. If that defense doubts themselves at all, then it's going to be hard. That's the thing for me. I that is the exact thing for me is I don't know how good Ohio State's going to become defensively this year. Like I don't I don't think that they're going to become this awesome defense all of a sudden. 
I think yeah. if they can be fast and disruptive, though, um, they provide they give themselves the opportunity to make big plays on defense, which yeah. is important. And the offense, I think, is just going to be able to roll. And I, that's going to be the combination. But fast, decisive. Yeah. And they've, you know, they scored on defense, I think, the last three weeks as well. So getting a play like that, like that's that's what I'm that's talking their about. role. That's yeah. their role. Yeah. They live and die by the three on defense and make, make the offense be the complete, be the complete engine. That's and, and that's okay. And that's the thing. Everyone's hammering it. That's okay. Yeah. As long as defensively you do that, you play, you play balls to the wall every snap yeah. and create chaos, then yeah. that's fine. But that's, that's just what they got to do. And I think, I think they're figuring that out. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, we'll get on this one too. I don't think this game was that interesting, but no. I had some feelings just in general. So Penn State, 24, Indiana, zero. Um, Michael Penix Jr. left this game with an injury, and I think it's a throwing shoulder. He's going to be out for an extended period of time. Um, his his luck with injuries is just miserable. I, I feel as bad for that guy as anybody just in terms of the, the injury history there. Um, but Penn State, I think defensively <laughs> – I mean, we, we, we've talked about Iowa's defense and yeah. how good we believe them to be. And Penn State does it so differently because it's athletes flying around and they're a team that likes to put guys on the move and they mix up some of the looks. Um, this defense is playing as well as anybody right now, uh, which is huge. I looked at that offense on Saturday and I don't think that this is – necessarily a thing because I hadn't seen it before, but they forced the run game against Indiana. And it's something that everybody's talked about. They don't have a run game. They don't have a run game. <clears throat> they ran it uh, 42 times for 209. Um, yeah. And so their, their average, obviously it was five yards a, a run. So it's not a, a bad average as a team, <laughs> but it, the, the play calling did not feel as rhythmic as what we typically see out of Mike Yersich. Yeah, I can completely agree with that. And I think your analysis, they, they were definitely, they were definitely forcing that. I think they heard it all week. I think the media that comes to practice was hammering it. Everybody was hammering it. Um, you know, so I think that definitely did disrupt the flow and, and the punch-counter-punch reactionary type of offensive – the way that Yersich sees offensive football. Um, but ultimately, it didn't hurt him. And that's, that's, that's my thing. You know, the, the defensive side of the ball, I think you made a great analysis. I think they're an extremely athletic team that knows what Brent Pry wants and knows what Brent Pry wants to do and flies around um, – I mean, shoot, some of the some of the analytics on them, especially in the red zone, is is pretty pretty significant. Yeah. And the other thing is, is Penn State special teams is one of the things that I think is huge for them. I think Jordan Stout does a fantastic job punting he the does. ball, kicking the ball the whole nine. Yeah. But I mean, they blocked it. They blocked a the field goal this week. Yeah. Um, I think they've had a couple other plays like that throughout the year. Yeah. Penn I'm not State mistaken, um, I gotta look had back. the huge block against Wisconsin that Wisconsin. That, yeah. Week one. Yeah. Game. That was a big deal. Yeah, and that's that's the one thing that I that I I think oftentimes gets overlooked. I think that special teams unit's playing great, and I think that's going to win them some football games down the yeah. road, some big football games. Um, so ultimately, you know, I'm not worried. 
I think, you know, I feel bad for Indiana and I think I feel bad for Michael Penix, as you said, it's just, it's tough. It's, this is one of those years where you take it on the chin and we'll see how they, we'll see how they react down the road. But um, I think moving forward for Penn state, I think you're going to expect a much more rhythmic rhythmic thing heading into this weekend offense in terms of building punch, counter punching, you know, run game built with pass game concepts off of it. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I, I, I expect it to be nothing to worry about and keep, Keep it moving. All right. Well, let's jump into uh, the second segment. Some big thoughts here. Uh, just I'm going to hit you with a few questions. Want to see where you're at on a couple of topics. So we talked about Michigan earlier and how now that they're a top 10 team, we we get to criticize and talk about them as if they're a top 10 team. And Michigan fans, I feel like some of them are apprehensive about this because they're like, I've seen this story before where things don't end well. I think other Michigan fans aren't necessarily um, – they don't know how to have the conversation as a top 10 team. Right. Um, but, you know, it, you, this is what you're going to get with that, is you're going to get a lot of people kissing your ass, and you're going to get a lot of people telling you that you're a fraud. It happens yeah. with every team that, that's ranked high. Um, and so we've done some of the ass kissing, right? I think this is a very good football team. <clears throat> Should we trust what we're seeing right now? And the reason I ask that is because I'm not exactly sure that this team has been tested by a, a really like legit football team yet. I think that's a great point. And that's the one thing we keep saying is the way that this big 10 East is shaping out for the end of this year. Like we will find out who the men are in this conference. That's that is for sure. It's going to happen. So um the speculation up until this point, I, I don't think it's even worth it. I don't even think it's worth arguing with some guy in a bar right now, because at the end of the day, all you got to do is sit there and be like, we're all going to find out. They all play each other here in the last four or five weeks of the season. It's going to be an absolute slugfest. So it, just historically speaking, it is hard for me at least to trust Michigan over and over again. I thought the year they had spate, they were having a run early yeah. and then it just was like, bang, 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 bang. That was whatever the year that was with us. Um, but um, historically speaking, it's hard. Do I think I see some things in this team, at least from an attitude standpoint, that's different from those years? 100%. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like I said, we're going to find out. That's that's kind of where I'm at. It's it's so hard for me to get there on 100 percent trusting him because we've seen kind of yeah. this thing happen. I think that's where um, I've got a couple of friends who are um, like big Michigan fans. And I think that's where some of their fan base is at right now, too. But mm -hmm. but I'll, I'll fall back on this and I'll say that I have confidence that this team is different for a couple of reasons is number one, I see the pace and tempo with which they play defense and I, they, they're fast. Like yeah. it's, it's overwhelming to watch at times because of how quickly they move around on defense. And then number two, and I think this is the, the bigger point is this is a team offensively that does not do things to hurt themselves. Um, they take advantage of field position. They take advantage of the shot plays and opportunities they get there. They don't turn the football over. Yep. Um, I like seeing all those things. So this team gives me a lot of confidence that they're, they're going to be able to 
you know, maybe knock off one of the uh, one of the East teams that they're getting ready to play, which is something they're going to have to do if they want to achieve their goals ultimately. Yep. Um, we hit the Penn State offense deal. I agree with you. I thought it was a little bit forced. I think this game we are going to see the Penn State offense totally unleashed, and that's kind of what it's going to have to be. I, I completely agree. I think the offense does have to be unleashed. I think they have to. I go back to saying this. Every week that we talk about someone playing Iowa, you cannot turn the football over and you just have to take what they give you. So I think Clifford's going to come in. He's been doing that very well this year. And I I truly believe if they can run the football, there's going to be opportunities with Jahan that I don't think Iowa can run with that kid. Nope. I don't think they – I don't think they I don't, have a I don't know if there's up. a guy who can run with him in the whole conference, though. I agree. And I think I think not even just taking the top off, but – creating opportunities with crossers over the middle yeah. of the field, moving him inside to the slot, getting him matched up against the linebacker. Because when they do play that quarters, that is just, that is a serious thing. <laughs> I've so, played in that defense. And yeah, <laughs> they will scary, get the damn matchup. Scary feeling. Yeah, it is. Um, so I think you're going to start seeing some, you're going to start seeing some, some move around and some shuffle the deck and take advantage of what they do. I think there's enough tape out there on them from, from a Penn state side on yeah. Iowa. Um, yeah. And, and so, I'll, I'll, I'll save this for the preview, but there you're, you're really getting into something yeah. in terms of Iowa defensively versus Penn state offensively, but I'll save my thoughts there. Yeah. And well, I, I will, I'll even leave it because I think I know exactly where you're going. So I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious to see this week uh, similar to an Auburn type type game plan, um, but built more for, what Iowa does defensively and the, and the, the, the vulnerabilities that they have, yeah. that they do a very good job of covering up. And I don't think anybody's tried to expose yet. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that's like the most vanilla way I can explain it. For sure. And I'll say um, Matt Hankins who plays for Iowa is the, he's a, a great defensive back. So that will be a battle. Um, mm-hmm. But, and I, I've, I've said this before and, Jerry DiNardo, who's at BTN with me, and he's an old coach, disagrees. But I think there are just some guys, regardless of how good the defensive backs are, some guys in this conference can get behind defenses, period. Yeah. And, and they so just think, have a knack. There's yeah, guys who have a knack. Jahan's yeah. one of those guys. Like He's, he's yeah. just going to get behind the defense. Um, yep. So on the other side of that game, the Iowa offense right now, it seems like it's hitting a stride. From mm-hmm. your vantage point, what are you seeing? Yeah, I like I, I kind of previewing what they did against. They're going back to what we talked about, what they did against Maryland. I just think if they're able to play within their system, if they can run the football, if they can mix in a couple of those little screens, get the ball out of get the ball out of Petrus's hands, um, just ebb and flow really well. Typical Kirk Kirk Ferentz Iowa football. Um, and stay on schedule. They can play with anybody. I mean, I, I just feel like they, they create mismatches. I think, I think they're running backs. Fantastic. You mentioned his stat line with, with him running the football and catching the football. I mean, that, that route where he got isolated on the linebacker, he ran just Boy. a little, little, I mean, it was a lucky route. It was whatever you yeah. want to call it, but it was basically the old Texas, like the get Texas up on him, route. give yeah. him the outside and take it, take, take the middle. God. Um, and then, that was and a then fantastic he route. Freaked and then the safety. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, took off. So that's a guy for them that they can start putting in creative positions and, and whether it be screen game or, or, or empty and put them out 
match them up against a linebacker. Yeah. You know, I think it's going to be a little harder against a Penn State team because I think their yeah. linebackers are fairly athletic. But... <laughs> They're more than fairly athletic. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, what I've seen from Iowa is what you expect a Iowa team with a quarterback that understands the system to do. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like I said, you know, just growing up, I go back to Ricky Stancy. It just feels like that type of Iowa team and and that type of era of, of Iowa football right now. So it's good for them. Uh, so I said in the preseason that he gave me shades of Ricky Stanzi and Iowa fans were just killing me. They're like, oh, he sucks. He sucks. He's not even that good. And now all of a sudden he's like the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Um, and I'm not I'm not trying to say that he is that level. It's the way that he operates is reminiscent yeah. of that. And yeah. that's what's impressive to me is, again, you've got a quarterback. And in this game manager thing is always so funny because people are like, oh, you know, uh, game manager. Da, da, da. I, don't I don't say that to disparage quarterbacks. I think that's a great place to be because you've got a lot of guys who are anti-game managers and they fuck the thing up. Yeah, they put themselves in trouble. I, I, like, and there's always this fine line, right? Because, like, that – that wily gunslinger like puts asses in seats and yes. it gets everyone fired up. Right. Yes. But that wily gunslinger loses you games. Spencer and then, Rattler. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but then you have those guys that just operate within the system, play within themselves yep. and never really lose games for their team. I just feel like there's, there's a, there's a good little blend of both. And I, yes. and I think giving, Petrus, the ability, the way they did to work off play action, push the ball down the field. And he yep. made some throws and he, and he racked up some yards this week yep. that I think was very reminiscent of them. I don't know if it was so much Iowa trusting, putting him in those situations now. I don't know if it was that they didn't trust him early on in the year or whatever, but they put him in those situations and he capitalized. So yep. that's a hat off to him. And I think that only makes that offense a little more explosive, well, more explosive. Not a totally there with you. Totally there with you. All right, let's get yep. into uh, some of these week six previews here. Um, first one I want to get into number 11, Michigan state is at Rutgers. Uh, the Michigan state is favored by five in this one. Thanks to our friends at bet rivers Sportsbook. over under is 51 points. Um, so this is one of those, um, where I think we find out what each of these teams are made of. And it's, yeah. it's one of three ways is Michigan state is as dominant as we believe that they are is Rutgers might be uh, a better team than people are giving them credit for after coming off of games against Michigan and Ohio State. This is a, a rough-ass stretch for Rutgers. Or it's somewhere in the middle, right, where we yeah. say, okay, Rutgers is a better team than we thought. Michigan State maybe is – they've got some more issues than we understand. Um, I love this game, though, just for the East because I think this is a great litmus test for both teams. I agree. I think that's a great assessment. Um, to me, that Michigan State performance, I, they gave Western Kentucky a couple cheap ones at the end. I think they were fairly – I mean, they were dominant the whole time. They ran the heck out of the football. Yeah. Kenneth Walker's awesome. He's um, really good. He's a great player. I think for Rutgers, again, this is going to be a test to see how they handle getting punched in the chin. And like I said, I think where they are as a team, the messaging from inside that building, where they are as a program and their development, I don't think that's going to be an issue. So I think you're going to see two teams that play similar brands of football, at least defensively, um, similar 
types of thought processes in terms of blue collar, hard nose. Let's, let's figure this out. So I agree. I think it's going to be a great, I think it's gonna be a great test for both these teams, uh, a great gauge to see where they really are at and we'll see what happens. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I hope to see Rutgers defense show up a little bit. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be very reminiscent. Um, what was the game two weeks ago that Michigan State played? Remind me. I know you're better than me at this. They won uh, overtime. Nebraska. Nebraska. I think it's going to be reminiscent of that. Yeah. So I, I did a little bit of a study here because I was curious. Because I, I made a comment about Michigan State being a good scoring defense, but their total defense gives me um, heartburn a little bit because they give up a ton of yards. And I'm a believer that at some point the dam breaks and yards turn into points. And it was really interesting because their, their issue in terms of total defense isn't necessarily yards per play because they're about middle of the pack in the Big Ten in terms of yards per play. But when you look at their total defense in terms of average yards per game, they're like second to last in the conference. And so I did the study, and Michigan State by far is playing more plays on defense on average than anybody else in the conference. Ohio State is second on that list, but you got Michigan State essentially playing nine more plays per game than the next highest team in Ohio State. They're playing 34 more snaps per game than Minnesota, who's the lowest on the list is. Now, it's interesting. Minnesota plays the least amount of snaps on defense. They have the best time of possession in the Big Ten. Wisconsin is second. They're second in time of possession. You get down toward the end of the list. Ohio State, second to last in time of possession, second most plays on defense. Michigan State, last in time of possession. Their defense is out on the field. Like, obviously, those things correlate. But is Michigan State playing a little bit of a dangerous game in the way that they like to play it? Because obviously their offense can move the ball. They score a ton of points. Their defense is out in the field a ton. And Mel puts some guys on islands. I've seen their defensive backs yeah. with their ass out multiple times. They're playing two under three deep and just praying to God that the rush gets home because those guys are ass out. They, yeah. they can't cover. Um, and, and not to say that those guys are bad at coverage. It's not, you're not supposed to be able to cover with 200 3D. Um, yeah. So it's, it, this is a really interesting thing for me because you don't want to change your philosophy to play time of possession, but how do you protect your defense? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's definitely ways to do it, right? Like you can, <laughs> as simple as huddle up and just like, you know, let's be a little more methodical here. You can still keep, you could be just as aggressive and take some time off the eat the clock, but it's hard to play like that. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. And I think if that's who you are, you just have to understand that's who you are. Right. I agree. But in Michigan state. Go ahead. No, as I say, yeah, I, mean, I agree. It is a dangerous game. I mean, yeah, it is if that's definitely who you are. a dangerous game to play. But if that's who you are. You're playing but, with fire a little bit. A hundred percent. But I'm, I, what I'm going to, what I am going to say is, is I think with the, I'm, I'm not 100% sure of this, and you can fact check me, but with the exception of that Nebraska game, Michigan State has scored at least 35 points or more every game. Yes. Which um, is going to put you in a great situation. I mean, offensively, they've been they've been very, very explosive. Um, I, I totally agree with that. I think Michigan State's done <laughs> – I mean, most figured of out, they, getting they a trap needed meet, to you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, know who you are. Know who you are. That's going to be the deal, man. I, I think if they can put up points, then obviously they're – none of this conversation about 
and, and again, you got to get the stops too on defense. Like I'm talking about yeah. total yards and, and total plays, but they're, they're getting the stops. It's just, it, you know, it, it becomes tenuous because there's going to come a team like Ohio state or Penn state that has great offensive scheme yeah. that is going to punish you for being out on the field or is going yeah. to punish you for giving up yards just in general. What it is, is it's the old Indianapolis, Tony Dungy, Ben don't break right. because we have Peyton Manning. Right. Like, I mean, that's what it is though. Um, and it did come back to bite them, but they did also win a, win a Super Bowl during that run. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, we'll see what happens. There's, right. there's more than one way to skin a cat, but um, a Super Bowl ain't bad, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, let's get on to this next one. We've got Maryland visiting Ohio State. It's homecoming. Ohio State's 21-point favorite. Over-under is 69 in this game. Um, so my initial thoughts are Maryland is going to be better. Like, I don't, I don't think they're going to stack two poor performances. But what I saw from Ohio State offensively a week ago and this basically this now goes back to when they played Akron. That's what they were supposed to do against Akron. Um, I, I don't I don't think Maryland has an answer defensively, not for Travion Henderson, not for Chris Olave, not for Garrett Wilson, not for CJ Stroud. Um, this Ohio State offense is shaping up to be what I think most of us pictured it would be early on. Couldn't agree more. Um what I will say, though, is, is I do think Maryland bounces back and I would hammer the over. I would hammer the over. I think I, they're I, I think they're going to I think they're going to score some points. <laughs> I think I think both teams are going to score some points. Uh, I think Ohio State's going to score more. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I, I agree that there will be points yeah. in this game. Um, yeah. This is for anybody taking betting advice. Listen to me and hack. There will be points. Yeah, yeah there will be points. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I think OSU can win this one pretty comfortably. And I think if if Ohio State is going to start building this thing back to the, where they can get in that conversation, um, they, they got to win these games comfortably. I don't think they can be, you know, ugly victories. Um, I agree. Wisconsin at Illinois. Now, this one is interesting, not because I think either team is any good, because I don't think either team um, is great right now. It's interesting because I think Illinois has um, an attitude and you got Brett Bielema going back to the place where he was once the guy and had uh, just a ton of success. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really don't have much to comment to be completely honest with you, but I do, it would be, I know Illinois is a tough place to play. I know Wisconsin's a hurting football team right now. I know um, there. You always you always find out what type of backbone a program has at this point in time. To me, and I think this is a great game for it, at least for Wisconsin's thought process. Is yeah. if Wisconsin can come in there and win the game the way that they should right. on paper, right? You know, I think it. I think it shows a lot of a lot of things. But if they come in there and struggle, I think this Illinois team. The point that you made, Bielema. And I think where they are, you know, yeah, they've had some ugly loot losses. Yeah, you know, they, they scratched one out against Charlotte this past week. But I think, I think where they are, they can also come out, and this could be a big win for them because they're playing. I think there's some deeper meetings and some deeper things. Yeah. So it'll be it, – I think that'll be a fun game to watch at least. 
you know, and if it ends up being the slugfest that I think it can be, that'd be cool. Yeah, and I had this wrong on the sheet. Um, it's it's Wisconsin favored by 10 in this game. Um, I hate that because I don't think they can score points. And yeah, um, I think I don't I don't know what Graham Mertz status is going to be. But if he's in the game, he's he's obviously going to be a little bit banged up. If they got to go to Chase Wolf, he throws more interceptions than Graham Mertz. Um, yeah. So it's I mean, I, this is an ugly football game. Um, but I don't, I don't think Wisconsin wins this one by 10 or more either. So this, this will be, yeah, I think ugly football game. And just, I think that's a good, it's a good description. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be a, just a a bar fight. Yeah. Really. Um, all right. So number nine, Michigan is visiting Nebraska. This is going to be a night game at Memorial stadium there in Lincoln, uh, Michigan currently a three and a half point favorite. Um, this is upset alert for me and not because I think Michigan isn't good enough to win this game. This isn't about them right now. This is about Nebraska right now because they're going to have an energized stadium because of what they did last week and how they've been building over the last few weeks. And I think this is a team now that, and, and I talked about it in the post-game show that we did, but they had no penalties in the first half of the game. They didn't turn the football over. They, I mean, that's that's winning combination for them yeah. because their, their biggest issue is they're penalized. They, they have turnovers, and they play bad special teams. They played great special teams in this yeah. last game. Um, I think the things are starting to click for them at the right time, and um, I, I think – that Scott Frost is really trying to get his marquee victory of his tenure. Like this is the one that will set the table for what the future of his career at Nebraska. Be. Um, that is, it has all of the makings for an upset alert type of game to me. I'm not going to make any predictions. What I am going to say is what I am going to say is, is and kind of the way you set the table for this, this is a chance for Michigan to answer the question you asked me in the earlier segment, right? This is a chance for them to answer that. Are you for real? Do you believe the hype? Is this what we're going to do? I think, I think this is their chance. And then I think just as well as you said it, I think for Nebraska, this is, this is their, this is Scott's, this is Scott's chance to save his ass. Yeah. Really is where, where it is. I think it's, I think it's his chance to save it. And I don't think it. I don't think he's running out of opportunities where they can be moral victories. I, I, yeah. I don't think that this game can be a moral victory. I think it has to yeah. be a, a a a real W in the in the in the column. So yeah. that's where I see this game, and I think there's a lot on the line for both teams. I think I think Nebraska has more to lose, but I, I think I got that. Michigan has more to lose. Nebraska has more to gain from this game in yeah. terms of what they do and the direction everything's heading. So you know the, what I mean? the moral victory comments really interesting because um, I think that the narrative on Scott Frost has changed a little bit to the fact that we are seeing improvements from his team and he's been able to be competitive in, in games where, you know, he's going up against a, uh, a top 10 ranked Oklahoma and, and the top 15 ranked Michigan state or top 20 or whatever they were, <clears throat> excuse me, at the time that game was played. But there is a certain point where you also say is getting close who he is, you know, are they ready to take that step? Um, And for his sake, I hope they are because I really do like what I'm seeing out of them. Um, 
all of that to say, this to me has unique shades of a potential upset. Yeah. Also wouldn't be surprised if Michigan went in there and boat raced them because they're trying to make a point too. And yeah. I, I think that's the type of team that Michigan can be right now. I mean, yeah. you know, they've got the makings of that as well. Interesting game. Um, I would just circle that one is I think we can learn a lot. Um, mm-hmm. The final one, this is the game of the week period. Um, Penn state visiting Iowa. This is the number four versus number three matchup. I was favored by two in this game over under is 41 and a half. Um, so you were alluding to this and I'm going to get this one off of my chest a little bit. So as many interceptions, and I think it's 12 up to this point as I was been able to come up with this season. Um, their secondary has given up some plays. They've, they've given up some explosives down the field. And as good as I think some of those players are, I think Jahan Dotson has shown that he can get behind anybody. I think that Parker Washington is showing in these last couple of weeks that he can be a legitimate threat. I think Sean Clifford has shown that he can spin the rock with some confidence and put it on the money when he needs to. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to figure out which one is going to show up? Is it going to be that Penn State can capitalize on some big plays in the secondary against Iowa? Or are we going to see what we've seen is that, yeah, you might get a couple plays, but eventually they're going to steal the football? I don't know. But here's here's my thought process if I'm Penn State going into this game. I, I, realistically speaking, I'm, I'm going to try to establish the run. And then the majority of my early on passing game is going to be between the numbers. I'm going to start testing those linebackers with that deep stable at tight ends we have. And I'm going to start seeing how these guys can run. Can they, can they, can they run with these guys in the open field? Can they match them on coverage? Or is there going to be ways where they can take advantage of it? Um, You know, basically win rounds. I'm isolating it. I'm isolating a matchup and I want to see if these tight ends can win. What that, what that's going to do is that's going to start garnering some safety attention, especially if they're playing quarters, no matter what it is, that's going to start garnering some safety attention. Mm-hmm. And then that's where I think you start seeing the tight end goes and grabs the safety and Jahan runs a post over the top type of stuff. Um, and I think that's how, I think that's how Penn state needs to build, you know, get the ball to Shantan quick early, find those mismatches between the, between the, between the numbers and then start attacking outside as the game wears on. And I think that's how they're going to create. I think that's how they're going to create those shots and ultimately, like I said, if Penn State can get up early in this one, I feel like that's going to put Penn State now in the driver's seat because defensively, I don't think Iowa's seen a defense that's this athletic and this good. Um, so we'll see if Iowa can hold on to the football and take care of it. And uh, on the flip side, you know, I think. Penn State has some distinct advantages from personnel standpoints to exploit. And as long as they do that, they'll be all right. And they don't turn the ball over. Yeah, this will be, um, I think, I think the, the point about Iowa not having seen a defense like Penn State's in you're obviously the offensive guy, so you would know better. 
But I can say from playing on defense that when we played teams that hadn't seen a defense as good as what we were able to, to put out on the field, there's mm-hmm. a, a certain shock value. Yeah. <laughs> like, he walk out there and, and the offense is like dazed and confused, like what the heck is going on? So I think that is a, a really big point there. Yeah. And I, I think that this game is going to be so energized. I think it's going to be just awesome. Um, I think the team that settles down first and can dodge a couple of those early game, lots of jitters, lots of hype things and just start executing is going to be the team to do it. And I think Penn State's already been in a game like this with the Auburn game. I think that's been that that's that's an advantage they have over Iowa heading into this game. So, like I said, I think Penn State settles in. I think they have the opportunity to create a little shock value to Iowa's offense. And like I said, as long as they start taking advantage of of the of the mismatches and the matchups they have and they do it in an artistic manner offensively, I think they're going to be all right. Yeah. And and it's it's like I said, Iowa is a a great team in terms of limiting things that hurt them. The ball can also go over their head. And Mm -hmm. we've we've seen it a couple of times. It's not to say that they're, they're giving up a ton in that, you know, 10 yard, 20 yard range, giving up a couple over their head in that 30 plus range. And that's where you got to be careful because those are the things that can hurt you against a really good team. Flip side of that, though, and I, I'm a firm believer in this point, is I think that there's going to be – I think Penn State can be sluggish in this game early. And I simply say that because um, I'm as I evaluate some of the offenses that they have seen, and it's not to say that I think I was the best offense out there, um, I don't know if they've seen anybody – who calls plays the way that Brian Ferentz has been calling plays. It's a good point. Um, it's, it, this is a, it's, I think uh, the matchup on the field is obviously unique. I think this is as unique of a coaching matchup as we're going to get this year too, because I think Brian Ferentz is a really good offensive coordinator for Iowa. I think Brent Pry calls defense the way that offensive coordinators call offense. He's a really good mm-hmm. coach. And then you look at Phil Parker for Iowa, who obviously is a great defensive coordinator. He's got that thing figured out over there. Mike Yersich is as explosive of a play caller. Creative. He's really creative. Yes. Yes. That is a a great word as we've seen in this conference. The coaching matchup is going to be really unique here. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to give any betting advice on this game because I can't. Me neither. I mean, but uh, Honestly, as a better, you want to stay away from games like this. You got to go. You got to go dig. If you want to be, a, if you want to be a successful better, start digging into those into those group of five and lower. You know, maybe you bet on some like soccer or something. You know, hey, who, stay away who's, from Penn State, uh, Iowa. Just enjoy U, it. Who's UConn playing this week? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. All right. Well, gosh, that was a fun one. Uh, we, I mean, there's there's a ton of action. There's so many storylines in this conference. This is what me and Hack live for, obviously, is guys who have played in this conference and just we, we love it to our core as football guys. This is freaking amazing. But um, this was the JP and Hack show, part of the field of 12 Media Network. 
season one, episode seven, of course, JP, that's Hack, and we will catch you on the flip side. <laughs>